0: The Green Bay Packers have needs. They don't have a ton of roster spots up for grabs. They don't have a slew of starting jobs potentially open. They have a couple places where if they can upgrade, they can really set themselves up to get better in the short and long term. Where can they get those players in the draft? And can we start to put together a roadmap just a week away now from the NFL draft of where the Packers can find their need positions while still maximizing value, finding those sweet spots. That's what today is all about. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Touchdown. Touchdown! Thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Shout out to my everydayers on Locked On Packers. You're the best. Thank you so much. On today's show, I want to talk about the needs for Green Bay and how those needs fit with the shape of the draft. This is something we talk about a lot. This is something that I've written about a lot. Trying to put together a game plan. Where are your needs congruent with the shape of the draft? If you can find the gluts of talent and you can find little bubbles of talent, that usually will allow you to maximize the amount that you can improve your team. Because remember, Best player available is a myth. You're not just going to take your highest graded player. That doesn't make any sense. You have to account for things like um, positional value and all those things when you stack your board. But you also want to account for your own roster situation. So who is coming up for contracts? Who is injury prone? Where are you potentially needing to rotate players Where can you find these guys who can set you up to be better now and in the future? How can you maximally improve your team? That's what this is about. It's not best player available. It is the player who can most improve your team over the life of their rookie contract. And then it is all up for grabs. And yes, if you can account for things like um, the, the surplus value on the contract, that's a really nice thing. Here's the thing, by doing it the way that I'm trying to frame it, you include positional value because even if you have a starting guard position, let's say, your third corner is probably more important. Your um, your, your third safety, if you're going to play a lot of nickel and dime, might be more important. Your third pass rusher might be more important. Your third receiver, certainly more important. So... All of those things from a value standpoint, it is about how they impact your team. So let's look at where the Packers have some holes and let's start at tight end. Given who they've been looking at, it seems clear to me the Packers are very interested in a first round tight end. I will continue to beat that drum, but. They have options in round two. There are a lot of really good players who are going to be there 42, 43, 44, 45. Guys like Darnell Washington, guys like Sam Laporta, guys like Luke Musgrave. And then on day three, there are a handful of guys on day three who also make some sense. Third round, somewhere else. So how does that affect the way that you want to go about this? Here is how I think the Packers will approach the safety position, or excuse me, the the tight end position. We'll get to safety in a second. Last year, they needed receiver help, right? Desperately needed receiver help. Beginning, middle, late. I said this all spring, the Packers were going to take at least two, if not three, and it was going to look a lot like 2014, beginning, middle, late. Second round, fourth round, seventh round. I think in the case of the Packers this year, it could be like first round, fourth round, fifth round. So someone like, for example, Michael Mayer at 15 or Dalton Kincaid at 15, fine. And then someone like Zach Coons from Old Dominion at 116, fourth round pick. That is right where he is on the consensus board, not the athletic consensus board, because they only go to 100. Um, I went to um, w- one of the other websites that track boards from around the internet. Fourth round, right where the Packers pick, Zach Koontz, a, a crazy S-tier athlete in the fourth round. Just figure it out. Worst case scenario, you have a special teams player. And then maybe in the fifth round, Josh Wiley from Cincinnati at 149. That's That still gives you, you're getting two guys who can play special teams and one guy who can be the fulcrum or at least one of the fulcrums of your passing game. I think there's a lot of of wisdom in framing it that way. Now, I could also see, just take 15 and say, okay, not 15. If it were me, I'd be going at 42 or 45, I'm gonna take one of those guys, Laporta, Washington, Musgrave. I'd prefer Laporta, Washington. For me, those are the two guys that I'd be looking for. Or from 15, I'm trading down if I can, adding a day two pick if I can, And still taking Mayer or Kincaid. If I can't get Jackson Smith to Jigba. Let's talk about the receivers. There really are, I think, going to be three places where the Packers are going to find value. Because remember, we talked about this yesterday. Three players who fit the Packers profile. Really three. Three and a half. Jonathan Mingo and I think the Packers are going to love a player like Jonathan Mingo, who is getting late hype. Not on the top 100 board for the athletic consensus, but Peter Schrager just put him in the first round of his mock. I think the Packers are going to have to take him in the 40s if they're going to want to get him. Not where I would love him. So you have your option of of Jackson Smith to Jigba in the first. You have Jalen Hyatt or Jonathan Mingo in the second. I think that's where you're going to have to get them. And then A.T. Perry or Reishi Rice on day two. Rishi Rice is 73 on the consensus board. A.T. Perry, 91. So either way, you're talking about your third round pick. You could take someone at 78, someone else, and then move back up from the fourth round if you wanted to, to grab A.T. Perry. But for your pass catchers, this fits. Because you could take Michael Mayer on the first, and then you can go receiver in the second, Jalen Hyatt. Bang. Or as we talked about yesterday, you could go tight end in the first, um, or you could go tight end in the second, and and get your receiver, your receiver on the third. You have some flexibility there. At these other positions, you don't have the same level of flexibility. And there is there in the case of the two other need positions to me for the Packers that we're going to talk about, there are clear positions, clear bubbles where I think the Packers can find some value. So we're going to talk about them in just a second. Before we do, something exciting is coming to Built Bar on April twenty second. I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real. Certainly for me, whenever Built has got something cooking. Um, I I am excited. If you know how built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world. They do amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quantity. So mark your calendars and head to built.com on Saturday, April 22nd to be the one of the first to discover what the hype is all about. You are not going to want to miss this. I can't wait to see what the new flavor is. I have a, I have a feeling I know what it is but I'm not sure, I'm not certain. So make sure to use the promo code LOCKEDON15 and you'll get 15% off your order. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. So safety, this is another position that the Packers need reinforcements at. I just finished this safety class. It is a class where I think there are three players that I really like that I think fit what the Packers are looking for Jordan Battle, Sidney Brown, and Jartavius Quan Martin. They just had Quan in on a top 30. And in the case of Brown and Martin, both Illinois DBs, they are elite athletes, nine plus relative athletic scores. I think all three of those guys are top 70 type players. Like I would. In the '40s, I'm that I'm. I don't love that. But if any of these three guys are sitting there at 78, Jordan Battle is 71 on on the consensus board right now, right in range for the Packers. Sidney Brown is 75, right in range, and Quan Martin is 88. Right, I think I think Quan is the best of that group. I think he's the best safety in this draft. He is what. People are telling me Brian Branch was as, as a, nickel, a nickel corner safety hybrid player, except he's actually an elite athlete. And Brian Branch is an average athlete. I really like someone like Quan Martin. So you you have that third round sweet spot. That is where the cluster is. Because if you go to day three, you're just not going to get the same quality of player. They don't really have a chance to start for you. Getting getting a guy like uh, Jordan Battle or Sidney Brown or or Quan, you have a, an opportunity to get a bonafide starter for you. That's that's really valuable. Like if you can if you can get out of the top hundred with a tight end, a receiver, a pass rusher, and a safety, Packers it seems like they're gonna have four picks. That's that's awesome that tight end is going to start. That receiver is going to have a chance to start. That safety is going to have a chance to start. And that pass rusher, they could have a chance to start. I think Kingsley and Ibarra is going to have a leg up on whoever that is, but they're certainly going to have to play early. Are they a starter by the end of the year if Rashawn Gary is healthy? Probably not, unless they are just awesome and outplay Preston Smith. But having that third pass rusher is really, really, really valuable. So now you have the safety, who, depending on how things go, at the very least can be your safety three. I really like this group. And notice how this stuff is fitting together. I I just told you where I think that the the, the clusters of talent are. Tight end in the first, and then in that sort of middle, early day three, middle rounds, four, five. Okay? Get that receiver at 42. Get that pass rusher at 45. And get that safety at 78. You're so good. And and just just to give you an idea. Of some of these early second. Late first pass rushers. Okay. On the consensus board. Will McDonald 32. Felix Anadike Uzoma 41. Right where the Packers might pick. Tommy Atabarwe, 44. BJ Ojolari 45. Keon White, 48. Isaiah Foskey, 52. Right where the Derek Hall, 61, right where the Packers have an opportunity to have two selections. They are coming out of that group with one of these pass rushers. And then you and then on day three, you know, you you have multiple fifth round picks. 170, and 149. You have 10 draft picks to just throw bodies at some of these problems, you know, get into the 200s and take some gambles on some of these other players. And and then I think we, we have to look at running back. We have to look at running back. And the Packers have had success. The Packers have had success with these day three running backs. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, UDFA, Ryan Grant. You can, especially in this offense, you can find those kinds of players. And they're going to have plenty of opportunities to do it. Sean Tucker at 131 could be sitting there at the end of, of the fourth round, top of the fifth round. End of the fifth round, Evan Hall from Northwestern, Keaton Mitchell, 164, right in the range where the Packers are picking. There there is a lot of overlap in the way that the Packers are looking at this. And by the way, at 185, I did this in in a draft the other day where it's like all the guys that the Packers want to pick could potentially be there when they select, given that their top 30 visits, all these, if they really have interest in all of them, and we don't know if they do, there's a ton of overlap in in the way that the board shakes out for the, the positions that they are looking at. And I think that that is, that is really lucky, I guess, for the Packers because it wouldn't wouldn't have to be that way. You could be in a position where you're going, I, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. We can't seem to catch a break with with the way that these drafts are shaped. But in this case, it is shaped really, really well for the Packers. Now, the question is going to be, do they take full advantage? And I think for Packers fans, I understand the hesitation. I understand not wanting to get your hopes up. Uh, There is this this long-running narrative of oh, well, whenever Packers Twitter gets really behind a player, they never are the pick. That's not true. That's not true. Everyone wanted Josh Jackson. It just turned out he wasn't very good at football. Sometimes that happens. There were a lot of Packer fans in on a guy like Christian Watson, in on a guy like Romeo Dobbs, in on a guy like Zach Tom. Now, you probably have to be pretty deep on Packers Twitter to be you know, a Zach Tom head but it was pretty obvious coming in how how congruent how much overlap there was with what he brought to the table and what the packers tend to look for so i i think more and more the more we understand the tendencies and the tendencies are are clear the easier it is actually to get attached to these players because i think we we are better than ever at understanding and then predicting at least in the aggregate, like over over multiple years. So like you go back to that Josh Myers draft, Eric Stokes, Amari Rodgers. Eric Stokes made a lot of sense. Josh Myers, not so much. Amari Rodgers, not so much. Remember what we've talked about here. When the Packers go outside, their preferred athletic models, that's when they screw up. That's when they screw up. And this is a momentous draft. You You cannot screw this up. This is not try and grab a bunch of players who can help you win now. You have to go out and find guys who are not not worrying about floor, worrying about ceiling, and not worrying about what they are in your one, worry about what they are in your two, your three, your four. It's why I think sometimes we can get a little obsessed with surplus value. It's why I think we can get a little obsessed with positional value. I mean, someone said to me the other day, "If Michael Mayer profiles as Jason Witten, I don't want him. Jason Witten to, went to eleven Pro Bowls. He he's a borderline Hall of Famer. Probably is going to go to the Hall of Fame. Of course, you want that guy. I, I you look, you guys, everydayers, long timers, no." I believe in the historical trends. I believe in the data. I believe in positional value strongly, strongly. But I also believe in getting good players on your team. Like, was A.J. Dillon the, the maximum value at that pick? No. Is he a really good player? Yeah, he is. And did Jordan Love help Aaron Rodgers win a Super Bowl? No, he didn't. But if he's good this year, guess what? It's going to be really, really good for the Green Bay Packers. And so I think we just, I think we can outsmart ourselves. I think we get in these modes where it's like, okay, well, but the contract surplus value. Okay, well, I get it. But think about someone like Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary is absolutely worth a high market pass rush contract absolutely worth it. He didn't start in year one. He didn't start in year two, though by the end of the season, he had displaced Preston Smith and then Preston Smith had to sort of fight his way back in. In year three, he only got to start because of an injury. And then year four, he starts, he's playing at an all pro level and gets hurt. Rashawn Gary has not provided Surplus contract value. He really hasn't because he he wasn't playing. He wasn't starting. But he was getting better. And by the time he had to start in year three, he was awesome. And then in year four, he got hurt. But you do the pick again because of what he is and what he can become and, and, and the growth that is still out there for him. No, you didn't quote unquote maximize value. But pass rusher, incredible athlete, you know, elite, elite, elite athlete, you just take your gambles on those guys. I think we, I think we get a, and, and that there is an analytical bend to that as well in some ways. But I think we just, we fall down the rabbit hole. And yes, this is, this is just as much a, a first round tight end thing as it is anything else. So look, I understand, I sympathize with the people who are are strict adherents. They are, I said, I said, what did I say yesterday? Didactic when I meant dogmatic. Tried to drop that $5 word and ended up just biffing it. (laughs) The the people who are going to go, never do this. Never do this. I I don't I don't believe in that. And I understand that. that makes me a little bit hypocritical because I'm the one sitting here going when the Packers go outside of their models, that's when they screw up. I think that there is a limit to what the data can tell us at times, but also can I just have a good football player? Please. Is that too much to ask? And if I think, if I think there is a better chance, and this is going back to the BPA argument, there's a reason you have a horizontal board and a lot of people, a lot of teams, they don't really have a big board one through a hundred. I mean, they do, but they also have the, okay, here are the guys across. You've seen this before, I'm sure where it's like, okay, here are all of our first round grades across where they're basically all in the, in the, in an even plane. If you're not seeing me on YouTube, it is a horizontal line where all of your first round grades. All right, it's like okay, here are the the quarterbacks with first round grades, the running backs with first round grades, the safeties with first round grades. And then you just pick your favorite basically. Like you're not you're not actually worried about the difference between the the 12 guys you have with first round grades. You've got your top 5 guys, your top 10 guys, your your first rounders, your borderline first rounders, your second rounders. They're tiered. And I actually think this is the correct way. And there's actually data in in the NBA especially that tiering these players is the way to do it. You pick your favorite or you pick the guy at a position where they are going to most impact your team. I will say it again. The idea is to pick the player who will maximally impact your team. So yeah, pass rushers are more valuable. Cover players, corners, more valuable. Pass catchers, more valuable. And pass throwers, the most valuable. Pass protectors, really valuable. Run defenders, not as much. Run blockers, not as much. Guys who kick, guys who punt, guys who hold, not as much. Even if they have really good grades. It is not just about blindly seeking, like, I'm putting value in scare quotes. Oh, let me just take an edge rusher because it's an edge rusher. No, if I have a first round grade on a player who's not a premium position player and I have a second round grade on a pass rusher or a corner or receiver, I'm going to take the other player because there is this point in which an inflection point where my certainty in that player is greater relative to their potential outcome, even if they're floor is is eh, about the same but their ceiling is not as high in terms of value if my certainty in them achieving that ceiling is higher then that is more valuable to me now there are there are limitations to this right fullbacks don't care but and that's always the thing well why don't you just take a punter no one is making that case keep beating that straw man no one is making the case for punters please go away no one needs to hear that. What we're talking about is linebackers, defensive tackles, running backs, interior offensive linemen. How much how much more value does a, a positional player like a corner or a defensive end have than those guys? And the answer is not, well you always take the other guy. No. No. The grade matters. The, the difference in prospect quality matters because the difference in prospect quality is essentially another way of saying, I am more sure on this player being good than I am on this other player. And there's, there is a value in that certainty. It's not a quantifiable value, but we do kind of quantify because we put numbers on it. So that, that difference is worth something now that's why it is so important that role on the team is taken into account, and and it is the only it is the only plausible case for someone like Quay Walker at 22, an off-ball linebacker. Because the reason you do that is because you think not only do you think Quay Walker can be elite, the only reason you you make that pick is because you think Quay Walker can be a top 10 kind of player. It's why I think the Packers can and and will take a tight end in the first round because. If you see one of these guys as being a, an elite guy, someone who is capable of being one of the five best players of the position, to me, that's Dalton Kincaid. For the Packers, maybe it's Michael Mayer. But if the Packers took Dalton Kincaid at 15, I'm fine with it. Because I think he can be like one of the three best tight ends in football. I think that guy is baby, baby Kelsey. He's unbelievable. I love him. You, The reason you take Quay Walker is because you think he fundamentally changes the way that you play defense. This is something that I've been talking about for a year. And even if I don't like the positional value, and I didn't, I didn't like the player either in terms of prospect quality, but if you think he can change fundamentally the way you play defense, there's so much value in that. There's so much value in that. And it's the same on offense. If you think a, a guy who can come in, and this is going to be the case for Michael Mayer too. If you think you can come in and run 11 personnel and you can call anything in the playbook, you can be just as good running the ball as you are throwing it, you're not going to really be. But if you can be, if you can feel just as confident running the ball as throwing it and vice versa, then that player has a lot of value because that was not true before. You either had your sixth offensive lineman and Mercedes Lewis who could occasionally run routes and make plays. Or you had Big Bob Tunyon who could run routes and make some plays, but was not going to block, was not going to give you anything in the run game. A guy who you can just put out there and he can play 85% of snaps. That has tremendous value to your football team, especially when you have two receivers on the outside who are growing and learning, who you think can threaten teams vertically, who can win underneath as well. And what you need is someone to take care of the middle of the field and block their ass off. Well, that's what a tight end in this offense can do. Plus, you can scheme up all kinds of stuff for them. You can also scheme up opportunities, mismatch opportunities from the slot in this offense. It's all there for them. You can you can be as creative with them as you want. That has tremendous value. I've gotten off on a tangent, but it, it was a tangent that needed to, to have been off. Been offed. So we did it. All right. Back tomorrow. Um, as we finish up our last week before the NFL draft week is here, it is almost Christmas time or Hanukkah or whatever, whatever you celebrate. Maybe you don't, maybe it's draft week. Maybe draft week is your, is your version of Christmas. Um, it is the, the three days of draft Christmas. Thank, thank goodness. We are finally here. So follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski, follow the podcast on Twitter at locked on Packers. Um, Follow me on Spoutable, on Mastodon. Who knows what's going to happen with what's going on with Mr. Tweets. Peter underscore Bukowski is me all over. Um, and go subscribe to the Elite, please. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Um, we had some really good stuff there this week. Um, we're going to have some really good stuff there next week. Draft stuff is, is some of my favorite stuff to write about. So um, go check that out. And anytime you want to come hit us up, hang out with us on a live stream. We're going to do some random live streams in the off season. Um, I do have a, a baby daughter who's due like any, any day now, any moment now, potentially. Um, so I'm going to take a little time off, but then we're going to do some live shows. We're going to have to do some fun stuff. Um, so go, go subscribe on YouTube, a Locked on Packers YouTube page so you can stay Locked on Packers.